welcome to Soul Journey Doula, a Big Blend Radio end of life podcast featuring Lee Brovadani. Welcome everybody. Today we're going to be talking about oh the loss of a loved one, the end of life uh, for a loved one, especially when it comes to a spouse or a partner. So of course we have the Soul Journey Doula here, Lee Brovadani. Welcome back, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, and it seems appropriate that we're talking, even though it's grief, grief is just a manifestation of love. So it's appropriate Mm. that we're talking about this particular topic on Valentine's Day, because we can only grieve those that we love. Well, we're a day after, so we're a little bit after, you know, but it's that whole month, I think. It's kind of that month of love. And what I wanted to ask you as a soul journey doula, as a a death doula, end of life, midwife, see how it all rhymes. It's pretty good. (laughs) I'm going to have my own thing. But can we, when we know, say, our loved one, you know, spouse or partner is, you know, maybe got a terminal illness or it's, you know, just at that time of age that maybe they're on their way um, to cross over. Are there ways to prepare ourselves and to maybe be more prepared for them too, so that everybody's, it's a comfortable passing for them? Well, yeah, you know, I talk about best three months. And if you were to get a diagnosis now, how would you prepare for your end of Mm -hmm. life? So people, the best time to prepare is when you're not in the act of dying phase, honestly. Mm -hmm. So figure out what it is you want. And then you start working on it, you start doing the practical. So who do you want to be around you? Where do you want to be? Like I've had people who have said, I want to be in my room with, you know, propped up in my favorite outfit looking out the window. And I said, Okay, do you have a bed that that actually like lifts up? Well, no. Okay, so you have this image of what what you want to look like and everything. Do you have something like that? Well, no, Mm. you know, and usually people don't realize that it's only going to happen if you actually plan for it. So I think I've, I've said this to you before that between 75 and 95% of people say that they want to die at home unless Mm. than 5% do. Wow. So it takes preparation, you know, is there going to be someone there who can administer pain meds if you need Mm -hmm. need them? Is there someone there who can actually help you um, take care of yourself? You know, if you've got, if you're elderly and you've got one person and it's your spouse, can they do everything that they need to do to provide? Yeah, especially if it's age related, right? Yeah. Or there's there's also um, a spouse or partner who may not be, let's just use the word partner, because I mean, it, it, it is what it is, right? It's a, a yeah, life partner. Absolutely. Um, who is not good at handling things. It, there's yeah. just sometimes, I had a friend whose husband was passing away, and his husband, he, he knew it was time, and he, you know, <clears throat> was in hospice, and and he just kind of, they made the call and told him, oh, don't worry, just go take a shower. It's going to take time. You know, it is. And basically kind of edged him off because his partner would have freaked out, like literally freaked out. 
in, you know what I mean? Emotionally had an outburst yeah. Yeah. and, and not been able to handle it. And he knew it and he didn't want his, his house to see him go. Like it was just a, it just was a thing between the two of them. And he kind of did his own way of like, all right, no, you can come. You don't need to go with the hot, the ambulance or whatever it was. But once he, and he was terminally ill with cancer and, he only went into hospital hospice for even though they came to his house mm-hmm. for a short amount of time. And it was just kind of, okay, I'm not, I need to go. And so they made the call. They came and said, no, just, you know, come visit later. Go, you know, walk the dog, all that. Take a shower and come in later. And he knew deep down. And, and later my friend said he knew he didn't want yeah. me to, to be that upset. So I think that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, knowing your partner that well to know, can they handle it? Can they not? You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times I've heard of people who leave the room, have been doing the vigil at the bedside. And as soon as they take a quick break, that's when the person passes. And I believe that it is the person who is dying who decides. And they decide who will be around them. You know, my my um, sister-in-law, she had, like, the, there's the two kids. And her daughter has the capacity to be able, had the capacity to be able to be there with her mom when she was passing. And her son didn't. I, I think all of us maybe recognize that. And so um, this was during COVID. There was only a few people allowed in the room. Oh. When he left... That's when she died. And I always say chose because a lot of times what I've seen is the person who is dying chooses the time. And even, you know, I'm I'm working with Hospice Savannah Mm. and I was talking to one of the coordinators and she was telling me how upset she was because she just left the room for a few minutes and her mother died. And she said, I shouldn't have left the room. And I, you know, I said, you know, Mm. Um, as much as you can tell people, it really isn't your choice. Mm. The person who is dying, I've, I've seen people hold on because they wanted someone to come and they waited until that person came. So kind of both. But I, I think we believe mm. that um, we don't have any control about when we die. Well, we don't if it's you're hit by a bus or whatever. Mm. But for most people... Everything I see, I think that the dying person chooses mm. time and chooses who they, they want around them. My brother had been doing a vigil, and as soon as he he was told by the nursing staff, please go home and get some sleep, you're exhausted, this isn't good. As soon as he left the room, that's when his... They crossed. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think, too, about when someone is given here's your your death sentence literally right um here it's time you're you've got terminal illness or you know like i'm not it's starting to happen and maybe your loved one have gone through some really rough patches in life is there like reconciliation of crap that's happened you know i said this on the last show that we're always going to have humor and some interesting language we're not going to go that far but you know i'm just saying because that's the reality is you think, oh, my God, at this point, maybe there was an affair. Maybe there was some 
dirty laundry, basically. Do you clean your dirty laundry so the other one can fly off clean? Or what? I mean, you who know, knows who's that's done the, the romantic version. That's the romantic version. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't usually work that way. I mean, sometimes people can have that reconciliation. I've also seen it when it's the person who is dying says, I don't want that a-hole in my room. <laughs> and the person is saying, I want to go and, you know, make myself feel better by going in and talking to. <gasps> oh, what about the guy who's got all the, here comes the entourage of girls that he's been sleeping around with on his wife. And they all start knocking on the door and the wife's sitting there going, Ooh, this is like a bad Not movie, happening. Lee, but you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, it's a very emotional time. There's, I've also talked to some of my friends who are doulas and they've said that, you know, they've had um, siblings that start, the mother's dying, the siblings are fighting and getting mm. loud and, and yelling at each other because it is an emotional time. And as a doula, she had to say, okay, you know, like we're going to, we're going to go into the hallway and then she talked to them. And, and part of it is staying calm and just saying, I know that this is an upsetting time, but this is not the time or place to have this argument. Your mother's dying. She want this is a time for her to have peace. Yeah. So if you want to go back in, the two of you behave. But so get you outside and give you a good spiting, uh, spiting, yeah. hiding. I was going to say spanking and hiding. It's just, I make my own words up. Spiting. That's a good one. Yeah, spiting. Yeah. Did you say hiding spiting. in Canada? You say hiding too, like in England and South Africa? You're going to get a good hiding? Or is um, that just old? I think it's just old. <laughs> like, oh, well. Well, okay. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. I have I to watch what I say on these shows because apparently I've said a few things lately that I thought were fine and, and I heard later, don't ever say that word again. That's not what it means. And then I go, oh, okay, I won't do it again. And then all of a sudden, a word that I never use just flies right out of my mouth with the same person. I don't know. How does that happen? <laughs> but, but it just does. But but yeah, I mean, so there there is that. And I wonder if people act out because they don't know where to put where to place the emotion. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people who's um, friends who their spouse died recently. And there's this whole mixture of emotions. I mean, the first thing they felt, some of them felt was relief because um, my friend Pam, her husband had cancer and it was extremely painful and he had suffered for a really long time. And she had been his primary caregiver. So when he when he died, you know, the, the first thing that she felt was a little bit of relief because he was out of pain. And then you feel guilt because you feel relief. And then you feel, you know, like there's oh. such a mixture of emotions. And sometimes if a person hasn't taken care of themselves, the spouse will be angry that the partner. Yeah, you didn't take your pills. You didn't. You didn't stop eating steak every night. You didn't stop drinking your cocktails. Yeah, you smoked yeah. a pack of cigarettes a day. Like now I'm now I yeah. you know if you're younger, now I have to support these kids. Ooh, and how you get a big spiting for that. See, it's my new word, spiting. Yeah. So there's no good or bad emotions when it comes to it. It's just information. I you know that I studied emotional intelligence for right. years. And so one of the things that I really um, was kind of 
emphasized over and over and over again. There's not good and bad emotions. There's emotions and they give us information. Anger is really useful. It tells us something's blocking our way and we can do something about it. It's how we react to the emotion that we feel. Mm. We might not have any control. Like if someone says something or cuts us off, that burst of anger, it's just telling us information. But if you go up and you punch somebody, then that's not a good thing. So it's okay to feel the feels. Just know what you're supposed to be doing with them. Mm. Yeah, that's a really hard thing. Do you think journaling helps? Because also being prepared, knowing that a loved one is going, not trying to cry in front of them, not trying to have those anger feelings in front of them. How do you handle that? Because you, it's, you've known each other for years, right? And I remember interviewing a lady when her her husband was, you know, dying. Then so she and they had to, they ended up having a better relationship in his last year or two, but they knew he was going to have this time. So they, they, their whole relationship became a team. And then she got cancer halfway through his recovery. It's crazy. This, this story wow. is really, it's a fantastic memoir that she wrote. And they basically went out to nature and would go fishing and looking at dragonflies. And so the whole book was about the symbolism of a dragonfly, which I think is amazing. Though dragonflies are also vicious. Um, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But it was about seeing them and seeing, you know, color and light and um, sharing a unique thing and getting past their drama. Yeah. Knowing. And then all of a sudden he had to take care of her. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, but, and this happens, but yeah. they had to get past and they knew each other's buttons, you know, come on. Anybody who's been together for a long time knows how to push each other's buttons. I mean, hell, Nancy and I know how to, they, we just look at each, like Nan, I could push Nancy's button right here and she can't even see me. And she knows I'm pushing her button right now, <laughs> you know, but it, 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 you know, there's that. So, you know, so how do you, as the partner, not shed a tear or something in front of your loved one, or do you allow why, that? Why, why not shed a tear? Yeah, I see. It's like because you all, you're, trying okay. to show, you're trying to show strength, right? But, you know, sometimes it's just um, tears are showing that you care. So it depends on the couple. I mean, for some people, they might say, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the sobbing. And that the wailing and the crying is quite a bit different from tears. So the histronics depends on the, the family, it depends on the culture. You oh, know? that's true too. Yes, um, it does. I come from a British background, like my, oh, you, so it's stiff upper lip. And, you stiff know, up, and, I was going to say, yes. Yep. Yeah. And so when, when my dad was dying, and I was sitting there when he was told, um, I could see the kind of fear, like he was told he had two weeks from the time he, when he was diagnosed to when he died was two weeks, which was just freaky because he had always been pretty healthy, but he had cancer and he had let it go too long. So I saw all of the emotions go across his face and then it was just, well, I just accept it. And that is very wow. typical of I think his how he was raised his culture and my husband like my last name of Brovadani and if you're yeah, yeah. very Italian and when 
I've been around some of the Italian family. It's uh, a lot of emotions. (laughs) It's a lot louder. Yes. Well, in Africa, I've been to funerals, um, different tribal ones, and like the women will wail. And, and they it's like hire professional whalers at times. They they are they wail. I mean, in different Indian cultures, you know, and I mean, well, you lived in India, so I was talking about Native American. There's a crime. There's a. It's almost like a chant to release, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's they move. I almost feel like you move through it quicker if you do just let it out. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's different, though. Absolutely. Like. Um... I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule. If there's a hard and fast rule, it's everybody's going to die, mm. you know. <laughs> and that's something that we can we can depend upon. Um, some people are given the date so they know and they can comp- prepare. Mm-hmm. And then you know when you're dealing with grief, a lot of times um, the the thing that I've seen is that people who aren't given any notice. And it happens really quickly, either through a heart attack or a car accident or, you know, something that happens really quickly. A lot of times that, from my observation, seems to take a little bit longer. But I want people who are listening to recognize there is no timeline on how long you grieve. Mm. The difference is that we might learn to live with the grief, but I don't believe that we ever get over Mm. grief we just Mm. learn how to to live our lives and go day Mm. to day so what you know again when my dad died and I thought okay well you know like I grieved I'm over it you know and and then two years later I was sitting in a restaurant and I saw an old truck go by and my dad used to get old board trucks take the engines out oh I love old oh yeah and he he loved the really old trucks and he Mm -hmm. would rebuild them and and that was kind of his his hobby when he retired well I saw this old truck go by and all of a sudden I'm going oh my god like there's tears pouring down my face and it Mm. wasn't like I was it, it just was automatic. And I thought mm-hmm. years after the the fact, I could still feel the grief of his, mm-hmm. his passing. It, it's I, I'm and Nancy lost her brother. She, you know, it took months of it was it was messy. Because she also lost her, her best friend. I, we talked about that on the show. And she finally goes out it was a chamber of commerce mixer. And it was like a party. It was a fun one. It was out in the botanical garden. And we're out there and we met some guy and German and he just put his arms around and said, how are you doing? And all of a sudden she just burst into tears. Like it was like, whoa, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, crap, it's not time to take you out. But you need to still go through those steps of doing it. And and she she, you know, we got her a glass of wine and she perked up. But, you know, it's um, it is it it is one of those things. But one thing I was going to ask you is before we get to that part, because grief can start when you already know someone's going right. It mm-hmm. can start at that point. Sometimes, um, you know, if, if your, your loved one is in hospice care or maybe it's even a car accident or something like that. Do partners call you for help and you work with them for the end of life 
part because sometimes it's like, okay, I'm the only person I know that so-and-so wanted, loves these flowers, loves, you know, this is what we need to do with the ashes. That's what they always said. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm overwhelmed. So I know a lot of times you're working with the person that's passing at their end of life, but are you working ever with their spouses too? I I sure can. And there's some beautiful things that you can do to Mm -hmm. honor the person. And some of it is, is like the rituals are Mm -hmm. beautiful in helping us deal with the grief. And there was, um, when I was going through all my certifications as a death doula and conscious dying educator and all of that, they showed a film of a young father who had died and it was you know, the family had agreed to have all of the, the whole thing filmed. Ooh. And it went from his little girls being at his bedside and his wife and him talking to the girls. And then he passed and they did an anointing ceremony. And it was, you know, um, I anoint this head that has given us such great thoughts. And I anoint, anoint these oh, shoulders wow. that have carried burdens and the hands and they went through it. And the little girls put the oil on his hands and it was a way for them to be part of it and accept that this had happened because when I was growing up you kept kids away mm-hmm. and that's right it's a big hush and they don't understand yeah and and this was they they knew that their dad was sick and that he died and that they were part of the blessing of helping him continue on his journey so doing some of those things or even doing things that you know like if the person is in a coma being able to honor some of the things that they want having the music having them surrounded by things having you know um someone said I think I've told you this one of the women said well I want the priest to come and give me um and I should know this by now it's not called last rites anymore but give the benediction and I said Oh. oh great. Have you talked to your priest? And she said, Oh, actually I'm lapsed. I don't go to church anymore. And I said, well, mm-hmm. maybe time to start. If that's really important to you, then yeah. doing some practical things. Like y- you have to start thinking about what is it? Everybody has this image of, I'm going to have this beautiful passing with flowers and music and, you know, mm-hmm. the, whatever, whether you're, um, you want a shaman or a priest or a minister, whatever, I want them to do a blessing. Well, then you should know who that is. Yeah. Maybe live part of it too. So that it's, you've got some integrity in there, you know, otherwise you're just, okay, I'm just doing this in case. So I don't go to hell. You know what I mean? (laughs) See, I get to talk like that. I'm not the doula, But, but, but then, but you know, and these rituals are really great. And then there's rituals of, maybe visiting a grave site or the burial site or the ashes, where whatever, you know, the tree, you know, um, yeah. maybe there's that. Right. But then all of a sudden you can get really mad at the rituals because you're really angry that the person's gone, like once they've passed. So anger is part of that emotion. And it's important for people to recognize that it's not just tears. There's going to be memories that you don't want to look at. Then you're like, so glad you have the memories and then you're going to get really mad at everybody and everything in the universe. Yeah, you everybody know, part processes grief completely different. And mm-hmm. so, like, there's no, as as long as you're not harming yourself or other people, mm-hmm. then dealing with the emotion 
of someone's death, your way is your way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. And if you need help, like I, I've said that um, if the person has died and people are still having difficulty, I'm not the one to call. I'm the one to call when the person gets the diagnosis so I can make the passing as beautiful as possible. But after the person has passed and you can't deal with all the grief, that's what that's when you call the grief counselors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think counselors and then there's even support groups for couples, right? Yeah. That are going, aren't there's like, even just when you know that, you know, okay, someone's close to the end here, there's like therapy for both, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the one. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and don't stop if you, you go to one um, support group and you walk in there and go, oh man, this sucks. I have nothing in common with anyone. And I certainly like, I just want to get out. It's okay. Get out, get yeah. out and find someone else. It's the same thing. You're not going to find the perfect therapist the first time some right. people will but you know try a few different ones if you're not a church person then see if you can find something else like you might find bikers who grieve who knows now i want to look and 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 i want to go there check and see yeah. if there's a support yeah. group for bikers who grieve. but you know check it whatever you need see if you can find the people that you can talk to mm. and that resonate with you Right. You know, I've done so many interviews lately with musicians who have had a band partner pass. Uh, and I go, oh, my God, that's so hard because, you know, a dear loved one of mine passed and he, you know, was in our band. And, and that's why I said, was it weird? Like I always ask him and I'm like, you should just shut up and not ask these questions on interviews. But when when he died, like I just burst out, you know, he was he was a true love of life of my life, you know, and um suddenly like music just pissed me off and yet meantime you know music is everything to me right so that just kind of like I was like oh this is not good and I'm in tears you know and then all of a sudden like the appetite for music was like 10 times more I didn't even know I could like music more than oh wow switch because you can't well music is like everything like music and nature are the two things in my life other than wine and pizza that are really huge in my life and music like whenever you're with anything it it can it can just do everything but what was hard with the music was that him and I had dissected so much music to write music to perform better you know showmanship stuff everything we'd gone through and I taught him bass guitar how to, I taught him how to play the blues and stuff so don't ask me how to do it now but I taught him all these things. So all the music that was surrounding me were all those songs. And then it was like, then it became some kind of switch over where, well, I personally needed my food, which is music. And so then it became like, oh, remember this, remember that, then the memories. Everybody has a different time and listening to music that we didn't know together. That was the thing, maybe. Yeah. That helped. So isn't that weird? Like just... And for musicians, I always go, how do you guys get back on the stage if it's a band member and you know, you're look, you turn around for that person to play that part because you yeah. have language as a band. You have, you do improv, you know, it's that same thing. You have that stage connectivity and, yeah. you know, where people back each other up. It's like a family on stage and you just, you, it's like, how do you turn to the person and then they're not there? It's like a really difficult thing for musicians yeah. with that and that's with anybody having conversations with them because oh yeah I, yeah yeah, I'll have oh, conversations yeah I to... with 
Yeah. I talk to dead people all the time. Yeah. And I do. Why not? And you yeah. know what it is? Even if you're not, you think you are, you hear their voice. It's you having the conversation you would have had and yeah. you reasoning things out. Cause half of the time you're figuring stuff out when you're talking to them or it's like, Hey dude, I just saw this. You would get a crack up. You know, there's yeah. a friend of ours that Nancy and I have um, who's passed the Commodore. And I think I've told you about him on the show. El Commodore from Mexico was our neighbor. And we went through all kinds of crazy stuff in Mexico and, Dude, this guy knew everything. And um, I mean, if we could call him when we were doing stupid stuff on the road, see how I behaved my language there? Just right there. See, I did good. <laughs> Whenever we see stupid stuff, we used to call him in Mexico and take him on the road, you know, and he would just, you know, I remember, okay, I probably won't talk about that on this show, but um, that you, you just go once in a while. I was like, dude, if the Commodore could see this and they were like, we think he knows he's peeking in going, what's wrong with you two? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think we all have that. And that's something beautiful to cherish. Cause I don't think any of it really dies. I don't, I don't, I just think it's just different. Yeah. You I know? do too. And, and it is, it is interesting that uh, those are the moments when you miss don't you find those are the moments when you miss him the most when I remember um, shortly after my dad died and I was at the airport and I was rushing around and I had to go to the washroom and so I was dashing and I ran into the men's washroom and then kind of went oops this is not where I'm supposed to be and turned around and I could hear my dad's laughter I could hear him saying you know that was a jerk move yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I've done that too. I've done that in a club yeah. going, oopsie, and actually, yeah, gone in. Why is this here? Oh, they have cake yeah. in this bathroom. We don't have cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, I think you're going to go through those emotions. And, and one thing I always, you know, there's that Stevie Nicks lyric, you know, and it's, and it's an old saying too. So she didn't write it, write it really. You know, it's better to have loved than never have to love at all and the more you're feeling no matter how you handle it or process it or even if you're shelving it and just like i'm not dealing with it because that happens a lot of people just like you know the stiff upper lift the more you feel inside means the more you loved yeah and even if there was drama it doesn't matter love is good yeah yeah i think it comes down to it. The whole thing, you know, is just uh, my wish whenever I'm working with someone is mm-hmm. that when they leave, they leave with love. Mm-hmm. So creating a whole environment around them that is things that they love. So if it's flowers or perfume or music, music is so important. Mm-hmm. So the songs that they want to hear, what they want to see, who they want to see, what makes them feel loved. I'm training Bella. So for those of you who don't know, we've got Bella turns a year old tomorrow and she's Bella the doggy. Bella Scotia. And I'm training her as a therapy dog. And she's pure joy. Like she's naughty as all heck, but she's joyful. And the whole thing is for people who want to have that beautiful energy around them, Bella will be going in with me. So I want people as they're leaving to be surrounded by things that they love, music they love, sounds they love, smells they love, 
So I, I just find that it's an ease into the next part of their journey. If there is a next mm. part, who knows? And can funeral food be better than what it is? You know, the end of life food, when people pass, they have a funeral and they always have the, the we should do a show on funeral food. Like, you mean the, the the sandwiches, this kind of stale sandwich? Yeah, can we? Can, yeah, can we not have that? I mean, and if somebody really liked chocolate cake, can we have chocolate cake? Can we do that as part of it? Yeah. I think we need to change up some of these, you know, things. Yeah, you know, as a doula, there is no like if someone said to me, and I think I said this on the last show. If someone says, "I want scotch." First thing in the morning, they get scotch first thing in the morning. Yep. That's you know, I told it, you I'm going to take acid because I've never done it. And if I'm dying, who cares? Yeah. Look, I had that conversation with a friend of mine recently, right? And I said, yeah, you know, if we were on our last legs, like we never did this, right? We were in high school together. And she said, but Lisa, what if we get addicted? I said, you're not. And she goes, oh, yeah, we're dying. I forgot we're dying. I'm like, well, we're not right now, I hope. I know we're all dying, but like, slow it down, girl. I said, but if you, we only had a few weeks, like I would do all that. She goes, well, I would like to, but I have kids and I can't do that to my kids. And I thought about this. I was going to go, well, I'm going to go to Lee now and say, look, my friend so-and-so wants to take <laughs> Not really, not like me. Like I would do it just to see what happens. Because what, so what if you go and you're on a trip? Well, off you go. I don't care for me. And and by the way, everyone, no, I'm not a drug addict or anything like that. I just thought it would be funny. But for her, she was like, as much it was as it's a good idea and would be fun because we were, she was a high school friend of mine, so you already know we were well behaved. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, right. Um. But then she's uh, like, no, I have I have kids. So and, for people who are just listening to this, you couldn't hear the shaking of my head when yeah said she was a good kid because well anyone who knows her knows that um she was adventurous you weren't bad but you were adventurous and there, adventurous like, is no, a good word yeah no was just um something that enticed you to try and see why they were trying to tell you you couldn't do something you wanted to do exactly and if you were in high school with me we would have been really in trouble yeah so so there you go but um but she said i can't do that and i'm like here's my best friend now telling me how she's going to die. This is crazy. And I thought, no, you actually should listen. Right. And she says, no, I, you know, I have my kids and their grandkids. So grandma can't be high. And I thought, but if you're dying, they won't know. She's like, I'll know. And I thought, okay, wow. Okay. So there goes my, you know, my buddy and I doing any more stupid stuff together. I suppose we're older now and that's just that, even on that. But her responsibility and her care for her family is that, you know, obviously it's huge. It's everything to her, honestly. Yeah. And so it just was a very interesting conversation. It's all your fault. Everyone's talking about dying now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I hope they are because um, for for too long, (laughs) no one would talk about it. Yeah. And if... I, my goal is to get people talking about it in such a way that there is honest dialogue, that Mm -hmm. the kids are brought into it, that the family recognizes that this is an important part of life. And that if you're dying, you can show the rest of your family, your values and your, your integrity by how well you die. 
Well, you, let, let me also say this, like as a, you know, here I'm telling my best friend, right? And I've talked to even like, you know, love guys and whatever, you know, in my life. And you just have that like, oh, what, well, how are you going to go out, you know, kind of conversation. And it's like, it's just silly and fun. We're being silly. Am I really going to take acid when I go out? Probably not. But maybe mushrooms. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just teasing everybody. It's just a joke. But but that's sometimes humor is the way to get everybody in on that conversation because it's such a difficult conversation. Everybody has the big family sit down and it's like, who died? Well, we're going to talk about you dying and me dying. Well, maybe it just needs to be more of like a fun conversation that's just part of a dialogue that isn't so all right, now we're all going to sit down and write down exactly how you're going to die. I wonder, well, you know I, what I mean? Just in yeah. passing, when no, when when nothing bad has happened, you know, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Don't wait until that sometimes. Have those conversations just to, so it's not so shocking later. And and I observed, like, my mom and dad both had a very different reaction. When my mom died of Alzheimer's, so by the time mm. she died, she had already, she was already gone. But when she was still completely able to think and talk and everything, I approached her and said, Mom, right now, while you're healthy and can still do this, let's sit down and write your directive. Mm. Now I would take it even further because directive yeah. is kind of, there's, there's things that I think are better than that. And she panicked she didn't want anything she didn't want to talk about death didn't want to talk about you know that's something and it was just like hands up pushing away and oh no 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 I'm not I'm not going to talk about that yeah because it's almost like then it's going to happen yeah see that's that's the thing yeah people feel like if you talk about it then it's you're allowing that to happen like the boogeymen are going to come out you know, it's different. There's, you know, the law of attraction and manifest manifestation, but that's something you put out there that you want, that you actively work towards getting. You just don't go, hey, I want a million dollars today, and then it's going to land on, you know, with a no, yes, yeah, true, and a big bag of cash. That's not how it works. So, and, and talking about talk. death is really talking about living, because yes, when I'm talking about doing everything possible, it's living your best life mm-hmm. and manifesting the very best. So even up till the end, you've got this beautiful life that you're able to live because you have, if you're talking about manifesting, you've manifested the best possible life until you're no longer here. Exactly. And by the way, everybody in closing, I don't do drugs. I've never done any <laughs> hardcore drugs in my life. So just so you know, before everybody starts emailing, Lisa's a drug addict. No, I am not. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. I don't smoke cigarettes. I used to as a kid. I was a naughty kid, but no. So I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> saying okay. no. But, you know, I, you know, anyway, Lee, always a good time with you. And I think I love doing these conversations with you because you make people think about living their best life as well. That's the other part. So, That's um, great. Yeah, I think clear the air with your loved ones, you know, don't don't let stuff, don't let the pettiness get in the way, yeah. right? Enjoy so, life. Exactly. Everyone, souljourneydoula.com. Lee is here every third Thursday. So thanks so much, Lee. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio Soul Journey Doula Show featuring Lee Brovadani. 
You can keep up with Lee at souljourneydoula.com. Follow our Big Blend Radio podcast at bigblendradio.com.